0: Welcome to the podcast series, Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacy Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Julian Sawyer, CEO of Bitstamp. Bitstamp is the world's longest running cryptocurrency exchange, continuously supporting the Bitcoin economy since 2011. Julian, how's it going?
1: Yeah, it's great. Thank, thank, thank you, Stacey.
0: How's your day been?
1: It's been good. It's early in the U- UK, but it's uh, sunny out there for once. So it's. it's Are you old, an really early
0: thinking.
1: riser? Uh, yeah, I am actually. Yes, I think it's the it's the joy of working in a global company that I've got colleagues awake twenty four seven. So there's always a uh, an email or a Slack re- re- ready to uh, to be responded to.
0: What's the time? We want to know what's your ideal time to wake up. What's your average time? The <laughs> listeners want to know. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, uh, I tend to get up something like six something. Uh, okay. and best time would be eight eight thirty until on a on a weekend, but uh, that doesn't happen that, that often these, these days.
0: Do you have any morning rituals? This is something I'm personally interested in knowing how different leaders in the space um, spend their mornings. Do you have anything like that, or you just go with the flow kind of guy?
1: I have a very bad habit, which is I look at my phone straight away Uh. and then you and then you see the emails and slacks and then your head starts uh, (laughs) processing. Uh, I always have a a thing that I want to do, which is to get up and go for a cycle or a row or something. Uh, But, you know, at that time in the morning, it's just nicer to stay in bed for another 20 minutes or so. So I I should do better on that. I really should.
0: Awesome, Julian. Let's jump in. I'm curious to learn a little bit about your career to date, going back to where you feel um, makes the most sense, but the floor's yours.
1: Great, thank you. Um, I guess I put my career into sort of three three chunks. So mm-hmm. sort of 20 years as a management consultant, Accenture EY, started my own consultancy and ran that for uh, about 12 years before selling that. Um, and then I kind of got a, a, a you know bored of doing PowerPoints and everything else and wanted to yeah. have a, a, a real job, as I, I used to call it. Um, and I had the opportunity to become a co-founder of Starling Bank, which is one of the challenger banks in the UK. And I, I was there as COO an opportunity. For, yeah, it's an amazing opportunity. So right from, you know, the first, uh, seven or eight, uh, people thinking about what does this look like, fundraising, getting your banking license, getting your first customer, making the first card payment, all of those things were just amazing, uh, learning experience for, for, for me and, and the team. Um, so I was uh, Chief Operating Officer there four and a half years. Um, and then I got the the call to join crypto. Um, and it was a kind of an interesting one because the initial reaction was, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> and actually, what, what what we then unpacked was what is happening in the world of crypto is the merging of, of that industry with financial services. And I think the more and more you see, and certainly what's happened in the last couple of years, is that complete... Merging effectively of these two industries. And so I talk about Bitstamp as being a financial services business that does crypto. And I think that is super important Mm. in terms of the language and what that means in terms of that. So my career has been, uh, in those, in those three, three parts. And I think you, uh, I guess as you move on, you sort of underestimate what you have learned, uh, in, in the past side, but in terms of. Yeah, the consultancy gives you a huge uh, a huge network because you meet a lot of clients, a lot of people, but also see an awful lot of different organisations. And then being so ingrained in in building a bank means you absolutely understand the regulatory framework, the payments mm. frameworks, etc., which um, has all been uh, really use- useful while I've been a bit stumped.
0: When you got that call, what was your knowledge on the crypto space?
1: It, it was it was pretty low um I think I bought a bit of uh, Bitcoin in the past but nothing okay. that material did that scare uh, certainly you? but uh but it did but I think okay. it's it's kind of where we were in 2015 when we started uh, starling Bank which was everybody went you're going to do what you're going to start a bank that doesn't happen (laughs) yeah Uh, it's a technology bank it's a product that everybody has got so a current account or checking account we already have one of those so you know you end up in this in this really interesting space where if once you take a step back from the industry and go so what is happening what's happening at the macro level here Mm. and then you just go ah that's really really interesting and and i think when you look at um, Bitstamp, so just a, a quick uh, couple of min- minutes on that. So we're the oldest exchange in the world. We're, we're celebrating our 10th birthday uh, ne- next month. Congratulations! Uh, thank you. I mean, in, <laughs> that doesn't that's sound a huge, a huge, lot, but in, in crypto, that is that's. Uh, we're, That's a lifetime the, it is it is um and then and then you look at the team there you look at what we're what our technology is we look at our platform resilience and security, we look at our regulatory frameworks in Luxembourg and New York etc you just go, ah, so all the very very hard building blocks, all the very hard mm-hmm. things that takes a lot of time. Has now been done. They've been done by my colleagues, and we've done it really, really well. So what we're now doing is looking at how we, you know, accelerate and pivot on the that 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 foundation, and that becomes a uh, a really interesting, exciting uh, journey. Um, as the next, effectively, the next generation of leadership comes into uh, into Bitstamp, you know, the founder, uh, you know, has been there for ten years. He stepped down once the private equity deal was was, was completed, and it's now right, what's that next generation? I think this is interesting when we look at a slightly wider side of fintech rather than just pure bitstamp is you obviously have a lot of founders who are incredibly inspirational and passionate about what they do. But at some point... You know, they need to go and do something else, um, yeah. and probably and probably sleep and, and rest. Um, <laughs> and I think what is interesting is you, you're starting to see a few of these now. The older fintechs now yeah. going okay. So who's the next generation that that is coming up? And you know, certainly in our case, it doesn't mean a younger generation. Um Our founder is 20, 20 years younger than me, um, but you know, it is about having that experience, that different level of experience, and. Uh, and drive to take the business in a, in 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 into its next uh, chapter.
0: What roles do you believe require that industry knowledge, and wh- which positions have skills that are more easily transferable?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, I think the way I've answered this in the past is is kind of when you look at what fintech means and what it is. So fintech is, you know a bunch of fin, financial, and a bunch of mm-hmm. tech, i technology and product. And so what you need to have is enough control, enough risk, compliance, regulatory understanding in the fin side, and then you need to have that absolute magic and that spark from the product guys and the engineering guys to do things fundamentally different for our customers. Um, and so for me, it's about getting people with that right culture, that right attitude to mm. um uh, both of those things, and it and it and it's not easy because you can find people who would come out of traditional banking who'd be great at the fin, but they don't have the energy, they don't have the excitement, yeah. excitement, they don't have that focus on the customer experience that you, you need. And and likewise, you can have people that perhaps have come out of the crypto industry or are in the crypto industry, and they are incredibly smart, bright people, but they're ingrained within that ecosystem. And yeah. what we're wanting is the magic. Uh, where you've got people who can see both sides, can understand that we need to uh, put those uh, controls in place, do the right thing for the consumer, do the right things with the regulators, but also create that magic of the products. Um, and that becomes um, you know really, really important for us.
0: Are there any positions in the crypto space you feel have a tiny talent pool and makes fulling extremely difficult?
1: I think software engineers anywhere and great software in anywhere is, is is gold dust. Um, I think people who can apply on the product side. So I, you know, going back to what I've just said, I think in terms of people who can understand the customer, understand customer experience, understand what that means, and then being able to put that into a um, into a product, into a customer experience that makes sense. And I think if you look at where we are in the crypto industry, we are moving from those innovators and early adopters into the mass market. So we're now mm. having people that have never talked about crypto, your friends, uh, who will go, oh, I just bought some, or I'm one thing, or I have to keep reading about this, I must get into this, etc. So we're seeing a whole different group or cohort of people coming into our industry. And therefore, they by definition are less technical. Mm. They they are um uh, less engaged in the technicalities of that or the passion about the product yeah. and are really sitting there going, well, this is an interesting trading product or this is an interesting investment or this helps me with my payments or whatever. Um, and so, therefore, what we've got to do is put this into the world of, the, of their language. So we should stop talking about mining and hash rates and all these mm-hmm. other things. We should be talking in in, in English um, <laughs> and making it Would be simple. very helpful. Yeah, I mean, I I just—I mean—a really simple, really simple example is, you know, if once you've bought your your crypto, then you put it in a custodian. Okay, well, that word doesn't kind of resonate with the average person uh, on the street. You know, if you said it was a vault. Okay, I know what a vault is because banks have vaults. That's where I put the gold, isn't it? Uh, And that's where my money is stored and my salary goes into a vault, even perhaps it doesn't or not. Um, But even using complex words like custodian is like, "Hmm, that doesn't resonate so well. So I think we've got to think about what this is and how we uh, educate and inform
0: Definitely. Regulation is something that comes up often in the cryptocurrency world. Is it a barrier to progress for the sector or should companies be towing the line? Uh,
1: I think it's neither, actually. I think it is a fundamental force for good. Um, Regulation um, is there to protect consumers, to protect customers, to protect institutions. Uh, It is also enabling the industry or industries, to play on a level playing field. And I think that is where the conversation that we're having in the crypto industry and with the regulators is so important. So it's not about towing the line in terms of doing the absolute minimum. It is about embracing what the spirit is as well as what the rules are, creating a level playing field, and then enabling customers to – Uh, you know, uh, operate on on that level. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to go back to the world of banking, because I think everybody, you know, clearly understands that, but, you know, all banks within a domestic market all operate under the same rules, okay? The regulator is the one to enforce that, and if it isn't going in the right direction or a company is not playing by the rules, then there's a whole range of sanctions that can be put on that bank. Why don't we have that on in the world of crypto? And I think part of the challenge, and we're seeing this on, uh, 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 in, in the news right now, is you know this is a twenty four seven product. It's yeah. a global product. So how does a regional, local, country based regulator make it work? Okay, and that becomes more of a challenge when the regulator does not actually have the remit. To close down a business or to stop a business trading because they're not trading within their, within their country. So I think that there's an evolution to, to come. Our view is, I think we were the first uh, exchange in Europe to be regulated under the CSSF in Luxembourg. Um, We spend an awful lot of time and money in ensuring that we are, you know, compliant, ensuring that we've got the right controls in place, we're doing the right thing for the consumers, um, and what we want to make sure is that we have that level playing field so that everybody engages on the same uh, playing field. And then it becomes focusing much more on the customer, on the customer experience, yeah. on what on what we're trying to achieve.
0: What are the risks associated with investing in digital currencies and using centralized exchanges?
1: Um. I think if you break that down into the two, two parts, so clearly, uh I think if you look at what are the risks of the of of investing in cryptocurrencies, um, I think they've probably been fairly well documented. Uh I, I think what you've got to do is open uh to the next level to say actually what what do we mean by that? And clearly you have some assets, for instance a Bitcoin, which is um, you know, a volatile stock, which is why people trade it, because it does make a uh, you know it does move it is volatile so therefore people can buy and sell and make make money. Um, it is also good as a longer term investment as the last ten years has has seen. Um, but you've also got things like stable coins, um, which is held, which is pegged to the US dollar or the euro or some other currency, which is therefore uh, by definition stable, which means that is very good for things like payments. Yeah. So. I think, I think one of the, um, one of the risks that we've got, I think, uh, is that we've, every, every, cryptocurrency is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is crypto- cryptocurrencies. And I think we've got a role to play to try and help educate and inform that that is not the case. There are other cryptocurrencies that, you know, are fundamentally different in how they're constructed and are there for different use cases. And that becomes, uh, I think, uh, really interesting in terms of, what they're used for and their associated risks in terms of the risks of an exchange i think you almost got a sort of a bit of a tree diagram here which is really hard to explain on a podcast i know but (laughs) you first of all got are, are you regulated or not and if you're not regulated then clearly your standards in compliance are you know uh subpar okay so Do you want to invest your money in an organisation that is not playing by the rules, and uh, and your money is not as uh, protected, or the right oversight is not in there? So, so, so that's the first question. But let's assume you go down a regulated exchange position. Then I think you've got a whole range of different things, which is okay, fine, you're regulated, but where? Okay, Mm. so we chose Luxembourg as a you know major financial hub in Europe, but also a very traditional financial services hub. Um, There are clearly a number of uh, regions in Europe which have now emerged as being very exciting from a fintech perspective. Uh, We went to one of the more uh, or or perhaps the oldest or one of the oldest in Europe. Um, And we're also in New York, which is also seen as the most strict uh, regime within the United States. Um, so where you are regulated, later, I think is important. Then I think you go into the more of the, the 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 subtleties, and I'll just drill drill down on two or three. Um, can you actually speak to the exchange? Do they have agents? Do they have customer mm. service? Are they responsive when you have got a problem? I and mean, you may be locked out of your account, you might have forgotten your password, you may be asking a question on, you know, fees or assets or whatever. You know, can you talk to them? That's really important and, and customer service is high. Um system reliability both from a system, from an information security perspective so hacks but but also uptime and we've seen in the um the bull run earlier this year what we've seen is a number of exchanges at peak volume stop trading which means I'm not getting the best price I'm either not able to buy and participate in the in the market that I want to be in or that I can't sell and exit the market at the price that I want to be in. That becomes absolutely critical in the words yeah. of trust um, that you have there. And then it's about the lit- lit- listing of assets. Um, and I think this becomes kind of interesting. Our approach is that we are not going to list every asset in the world. Um, we are wanting to do those that are safe, secure, have got some um, uh, security behind them in terms of how they're constructed, the technology, the the people who are operating it, et cetera, and that becomes really important. Um, and again, I think it's about quality versus quantity. So for me, you know, what we're very, very bothered about at Bitstamp is you know, having fantastic customer experience, talking to customers when they want to talk to us, having the best uptime in the last six months of any major exchange, and then having the right set of, of assets. And our assets are absolutely growing but what we're not going to do is chase the late chase the late, late latest fad that is out there
0: what makes bitstamp so secure and reliable
1: i think um it's a it's a security first approach mm. um and i think that goes in in two parts one is ensuring that from a regulator perspective, that we can show that we are safe and secure and having, you know, external auditors coming in, internal auditors working with us, et cetera. But then having a security first mindset from our uh, software engineers and product leads. So really thinking about how do we do this? How do we ensure that we have got security and resilience and redundancy at the top of the agenda, not as an afterthought? And when you're building complex platforms like uh, a trading exchange that has to be built from day one it can't be something that you add in late later and i think that is where it is um super important to you know to 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 understand the 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 culture yeah the downside of that is there is a cost the downside of that Mm -hmm. also is sometimes the products take slightly longer to get out because we want to do it right but when there is incredibly high volumes, you need a system that may be able to cope with that. You need a system uptime that is phenomenal in terms of always being available 20, 24-7. Um, and you can't do that on the fly. You can't do that as an afterthought. You've got to do that at the one. So it is that, um, that shift in thinking that, you know, perhaps, um, less mature organizations uh, in the fintech space, in the crypto space, will go. I just want to get our product out to market, and that typically probably is the right answer until you get customers. And then, as soon as you've got a customer, you've got to be thinking and changing that mindset. And we've done that from from uh, day one.
0: You mentioned quality over quantity. Why would you want to keep your trading endeavours on Bitstamp when there are more assets on other exchanges?
1: Well, I think if you if you look at the the stats, the um, I think we've got sort of 30 odd assets. We've got 89 pairs of of, of, of trade trading pairs and we are adding you know three or four new assets a month. So it's not that we are backwards and coming forwards. what but when you look at what customers are actually doing, there's a very very long tail of where there is um, uh, a lot of noise. A lot of volatile price movements because there isn't enough liquidity in the market. There's not enough demand out there. And we don't think it is right for us to list something and then get a customer who may be not as informed, not being able to see Definitely. what everybody else is doing. And then going into a, a stock which hasn't got that liquidity or doesn't have the resilience uh, around it. Um, and I think, you know not really wanting to sit here and talk about Elon Musk, but, you know, he has done some things in terms of changing some pricing, which, you know, you know, is kind of nice headlines, but is not helpful for the maturity of the market. And so what you then get is, you know, pricing changing fundamentally depending on one person's tweet, not sentiment, not market yeah. changes, not shifts, not customer demand, but one person can make you a lot of money which we love, but also could lose you a lot of money, exactly. which we don't like. And so, I think this is all about trying to ensure we're having the the right conversation um, at, at the right time, and that it is safe and secure. So, if you look at you know the market that we serve, it is the vast majority of crypto assets are on stamp, the ones that you absolutely are engaged with, the ones that you can find information on, you can do your own research, you can track it on websites, you can check the pricing with us, it becomes a trusted place for you to uh, to to trade. And I think it does go back to um, that word trust. Um, yeah. And trust means a whole range of, of things, you know, how secure is the app, how secure is the website, the platform. The resilience of that platform, the uptime of that, the assets that we're going to list, the liquidity in the market, transparency on fees, etc. You build that up into a, into a story of trust, and that's why we've got a whole range of customers that have been with us for the last ten years because they can see that trust coming coming through the business in every in in, in every part.
0: Julian, you've been a part of multiple companies with stellar brands, there is a massive impact when you're seen as the go-to person in the industry. I don't think there's obviously one secret to achieve this, but what are things businesses can implement to slowly get there?
1: Um, I think for me, uh, what what I like is where you have just got an amazing team Mm -hmm. um, and you've got a team that is working together collegiately, uh sort of you know low egos, just getting the job done, everybody on the same page. Because once you get that team, you know, at the executive level, but across the whole organization, you get the organization running as one, then I think you have a an amazing opportunity to um utilize all that, all, all, all those brain cells that we've got within the organization and to execute on some great, great products. And as soon as you start getting into uh silos as soon as you're getting into let's do powerpoint instead of talking to each other um as soon as you can't feel that you can critique uh and um and you know challenge ideas to improve them then i think you have a ha- have a problem um, so for that. me it's all it's all about the people i want you to the people with the passion comes from from that and you infuse across across the organization
0: Julian, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Firstly, I've learned so much, but it was just lovely getting to pick your brain.
1: Thank you, Stacey. Appreciate it.
0: Where's the best place for listeners to reach you?
1: I'm on LinkedIn uh, and on Twitter, um, and you can follow us at a at, at bitstamp as well. So uh, ho- hopefully, everyone can uh, find us in one of those uh, in one of those formats.
0: Fantastic. Thanks again.
1: Thank you, Stacey. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.